What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Lowry on today's episode. I'm so excited to get to know a little bit more about her. Lowry, I'm just going to toss it at you, start wherever you'd like with your story. Okay, thanks. Um, Where do I begin? I noticed actually when I was um, thinking about my kind of story that it was really difficult to pin down a timeline of everything that's happened over the last kind of three years. Um, So I've tried to kind of make things uh be kind of chronological as much as possible (laughs) but yeah there's um a lot of it is kind of a bit jumbled up which i i guess is kind of a a side effect of um it all starts to yeah it's like it all starts to blend together doesn't it yeah (laughs) yeah um but i guess if i start with um my first pregnancy which was um in September 2017 um so my partner Louis and I we've been together for six years now and um neither of us had any idea about any kind of fertility issues or anything like that we'd always kind of assumed that you know we will just we'll just have a family when when we feel ready to do that um so we had some casual conversations about um you know having a baby and it was just really casual. We kind of had this view of like, well, you know, let's just see what happens. So we kind of stopped using any kind of birth control. And I think it took, I can't remember exactly, a couple of months, I think, for me to get pregnant. Um, And yeah, I was really happy, uh, you know, kind of a bit nervous, but it was, the idea was kind of cemented in my head. It was like, oh, we're gonna have a baby. Okay, great. Um, and you know all the kind of complicated feelings that come along with that but mostly just like joy just really happy um you know I look back now and I think what a wonderfully naive time to be so filled with joy at seeing that positive pregnancy test um you know because when you experience recurrent miscarriage you kind of you're kind of robbed of that a little bit you know you never you never get to experience that pure joy again or at least I I've never been able to experience that pure joy again at seeing a positive pregnancy test um so yeah just I've really felt you know that kind of innocence that comes with like a first pregnancy of like oh great well we're gonna have a baby you know and start thinking about uh the future what our future is going to look like with, uh, with a child you know the, in the house we were living in at the time I was like oh you know, thinking about which room could we turn into a nursery and, well, maybe we should move houses. Is this, is this house, um, you know, safe for a baby? You know, all these things now I look back and I'm like, whoa, like, hold your horses a little bit. Um, and so we decided not to tell anyone. It was like this, you know, really exciting secret that we held between us. And we went to Paris, actually. We were really lucky. We went on holiday with um, some of Louis' family and 
we didn't tell any of them that I was pregnant. It was really early days. And yeah, it was like, you know, Paris is like the worst place, to, <laughs> the worst place to be when you're in a uh, pregnant and try not to tell anyone that you're pregnant because everybody's like, Hey, eat this soft cheese, drink this wine, like all, <laughs> all of this delicious stuff that you would uh, usually love to do. So it was, it was a bit tricky because I was trying to kind of pretend that I wasn't pregnant when I was and being around his family it was yeah it was a little bit tricky but also you know amazing because we got to go to Paris which was very cool um and I came back and went to work and I think I must have been about six weeks by this point and I remember I was on the um the running machine I decided to go to the gym and go for like a really slow uh steady jog and I felt some cramps um in my stomach and immediately it was like I don't know it was like I knew you know my body knew immediately I was like I'm having a miscarriage I know I know what's happening I'm miscarrying um so yeah at that point there was no bleeding yet um I think we were referred to um the early pregnancy unit and um you know the people the the nurses the the staff there they were so kind and sweet and it was very much you know oh this is so common you know everybody lots and lots of women have a miscarriage it's it's, it's really common and you know I kind of was reassured by that I felt like oh, okay well you know this is common this doesn't this doesn't mean anything you know we can try and try again at some point I think I took like a week off work and um told my parents and they were really nice about it but you know it didn't it wasn't like kind of a catastrophe end of the world type scenario um I was very sad about it and felt a little bit like why me and also thinking about what I'd done wrong so like you know I shouldn't have traveled I shouldn't have gone to Paris I shouldn't have been on that really busy train where you know people were kind of bumping up against me I shouldn't have sat next to that woman who was smoking you know all those like insane thoughts that you have that this is basically my fault um and there were lots of at least comments you know at least you can get pregnant at least you know you can get pregnant that was kind of the main message that I received from um uh the kind of medical um community that I came into contact with right and also you know friends and family it was like well you know at least you know you can get pregnant now that's trying to you know let's see the positive in this and um I kind of went with that so um my second pregnancy was just a couple of months later it happened quite quickly in uh, January 2018 and again, I think, you know, with Louis and I, we kind of had a back, um, relatively casual conversation of like, okay, well, we've had, you know, we've had one miscarriage. There's, you know, no reason to kind of change anything that we were doing before. Let's just see what happens. And my second one was a little bit different in that I didn't, I didn't actually know that I was pregnant. Um, and I started bleeding quite heavily. And again, I just, I, I had this feeling I don't even know how to describe it. It's just like, I think my, you know, your body just knows. And 
I just knew I'm, I'm, I'm having a miscarriage, even though I didn't actually know I was pregnant. Um, and I think looking back now, I wonder if that might have been um, like a chemical pregnancy, I think they call it, which is like a really, really early um, yeah. Yeah. miscarriage. Um, so I think that that might have been what happened. And it just, you know, it's so fast and just not even realizing that you're pregnant in the first place and then to, to find out that you're miscarrying is really weird and I don't think I processed it at all really um you know I was obviously still grieving for my first miscarriage and not really realizing that I was grieving for that and kind of thinking almost like I don't something like I don't deserve to grieve it because it was like oh it's really early and you know you've only had one and it's really common it didn't feel like it I was sort of allowed to grieve that pregnancy and that baby um so yeah by the time I had that uh chemical pregnancy um I think I probably was carrying a lot um but not realizing that I was so I don't even think I took any time off work actually with my second pregnancy. And again, you know, we hadn't told anyone that we were pregnant because we didn't even realize ourselves. Um, So at that point it was all still quite hidden for me. Like I didn't really tell anybody about it. I think I told my parents about it, maybe a couple of my very close friends, but it was really shrouded in a lot of secrecy and shame. I think I felt a huge amount of shame about it. Um, and a lot of helplessness, you know, a lot of trips to the GP, you know, you know, can we have some tests like what's going on and very clearly being told like, you know, we're not going to do anything for you until you've had three. Um, with the NHS here, we ha- you know, that's kind of the guideline is that you don't really get a referral to a specialist until you've had three um, pregnancy losses. And really, it's, it's very much a kind of closed door until you get to that point. Um, so feeling very alone, very isolated, not knowing anybody else in my kind of uh, immediate or even my non-immediate friendship group who'd even had a miscarriage it was very much like I was I felt like I was the only person on the planet who was experiencing this which you know now I look back on it which and it just feels just so sad that I felt like I was the only one when actually you know now that I've kind of opened myself up to the pregnancy loss and infertility community I know that there's you know millions millions of people out there experiencing this but yeah it can feel like a very lonely very isolating time um and then so after my second pregnancy there was uh, quite a long time before my next pregnancy um and it was quite a difficult time between Louis and I um so he kind of possibly related to what had happened but also due to some other things that he was experiencing in his life uh went into quite a deep depression um you know to the point where he sort of wasn't going to work and uh yeah was really going through quite a lot of uh quite a lot of 
difficult stuff and you know obviously that has a huge impact on our relationship and um you know the whole kind of fertility thing took a very much a back seat and I really struggled with that I really struggled with that and it caused a huge amount of tension between us <coughs> um and there were some really difficult conversations that we had to have, which was, you know, where I was saying, I want to, you know, I want to try again. I want to, I, I'm kind of desperate here to, to keep going and to keep trying. And, you know, he was kind of saying, I'm not, I'm not ready. I don't want to do that right now. You know, you need to wait. We need to wait. Um, so that was a really difficult time for us. And, I do remember sharing that actually with some of my friends, which, which really helped, was helpful because prior to that, I kind of kept everything to myself. Um, and I think it was weird because I never was, sometimes I listen to these, um, to your podcast and I've heard other women say like, you know, all I ever wanted to be was a mum. I knew from a really young age and I don't think I ever really felt that. I, I was always a bit, I don't know, a bit blasé about it, I think. I was always a bit like, well, you know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't happen, you know, maybe it won't be the end of the world. Um, and it was only when I, I think it was when I got pregnant the first time, it was almost like a, a, a switch was flicked inside me that I couldn't switch off. And, you know, that was it. Something something physically biologically changed in me on a deep level where I w desperately wanted to have a baby and that's not a feeling that I'd experienced before that um so that was quite strange and and quite a bit scary and overwhelming actually because I felt like I I couldn't switch it off and so you know when Louis was saying I want to wait I want to wait and I was like, I, 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 I can't, you know, I need to, this is something that I need to do. I want us to try. I want us to, at the very least, to try. Um, yeah, so that was, that was a really difficult time. And that kind of went on for almost a year, actually. Um, quite a long time. And I just realized that I just had to let it go for a while. Um, you know, for the sake of our relationship, I think when you experience pregnancy loss, um, for me, you know, it had a huge impact on our relationship. And I almost felt like I, you know, I sort of forgot about Lou a little bit. It all became about fertility and pregnancy and my body and what was happening to me. And you know, that is a process that obviously I had to go through, but it's, it was difficult to include him in it almost, you know, because it felt like such a, a personal thing for me that I was going through, but actually he was going through it too. Um, and so it's a bit of a reminder for me, actually, that, you know, we're both in this. This is the relationship. We're both experiencing this. And he was experiencing his grief in a different way to me. Um, and I, and that was frustrating at times, you know, at times I wanted to say to him, well, I did say to him, why aren't you as upset about this as me? Um, you know, why aren't you, why aren't you grieving the same way as me? Like, 
and over time I think I just realized that people grieve differently and experience pregnancy loss differently but I can see how it can create a huge amount of tension in relationships and how it could even end relationships actually because you know that tension is just really difficult to work through and I think it was only because we're very good at communicating with each other that we were able to kind of work through it um, and I think therapy helped as well I've been I've been um, having therapy before before I was uh, before I lost my pregnancies anyway but you know it was massively helpful for me getting through this whole process and Lou also started seeing someone as well so it was you know it kind of saved our relationship I think I'm not really sure how we could have got through it if we weren't able to communicate with each other about those difficult things that we were feeling so yeah quite a long time after my second pregnancy about a year just over a year later um I had my third pregnancy and that one felt quite hopeful from the beginning actually I'm not sure why I couldn't really explain why that was but um so that was in February 2019 well I think it was the January actually I found out I was pregnant and yeah something about it felt quite hopeful you know we'd both been kind of doing a lot of work on ourselves in the year between my last miscarriage and and now and um I told more people we told more people about it because we thought well you know if this doesn't work out we're going to need some support here so we kind of expanded the circle a little bit of people that we told and I took it very easy through the pregnancy um you know I kind of was very conscious of not doing too much as if you know I don't know as if that was going to make a difference or something I, I don't know um and then the spotting started uh started bleeding around about again I think it was around about six six weeks six and a half weeks something like that I started spotting um for a couple of days really and I you know remember sending these like really panicked texts to my friends who'd had uh, had children being like you know is this spotting normal like how much spotting is normal what color was it you know all those types of things and not being able to get a definitive answer from anybody because obviously everybody's pregnancy is very different um and speaking with my gp and you know them kind of being like well you know let's kind of just keep monitoring it and obviously if it gets any worse then let us know and we'll um, get you into the early pregnancy unit and that's kind of what happened really it just ended up uh, getting heavier and heavier and then the, cr the cramping started and you know again I just knew from very early on I just knew this wasn't going to work out I knew I was miscarrying and I remember um so I think that I'd been booked in to go to the early pregnancy unit in like two days time or something because the bleeding wasn't that heavy at the time I think it was kind of seen as like a relatively non-urgent uh, appointment 
and I remember going in to give a presentation so I'm doing my master's at university at the moment and I had like an end of year presentation to give that I'd worked on really hard with um, someone else in my group and I just thought I can't let them down I can't let the group down I have to give this presentation so I did I gave this presentation whilst I was miscarrying my baby um and I smashed it <laughs> it actually went really well and that made me feel really good but you know it's just it's like this bizarre thing that happens I think when you know when I've experienced these recurrent miscarriages it's like you kind of just carry on doing life like you just you know people are just like <coughs> women are just like walking around living their life doing presentations going to work looking after their other children you know they're just doing their life whilst going through this fucking horrendous thing that's going on with their bodies and they're just getting on with it and it just blows my mind that we that we're able to do it that I was able to do that you know I look back on it and I just think oh, that's just crazy but it didn't we're all, we're all just a bunch of badasses oh yeah <laughs> we really are badasses. yeah such badasses and yeah it's just it blows my mind it really does what we kind of carry on doing whilst we're going through this but it you know at the time it sort of just feels like you don't really have any other option it's like well you know kind of have to um yeah so that happened um that was the first time I had a scan actually I think it was because I was just ever so slightly further on than I had been in my other pregnancies and I'd also changed um I'd moved so my previous two pregnancies I was living in England and by now I was living in Wales um, so like just over the border so the healthcare is ever so slightly different and I was with a different early pregnancy unit um so I had a scan and yeah there was you know they couldn't there was nothing on the um on the screen um and they kind of basically confirmed it you know that I was having a miscarriage I had some blood tests and yeah I just remember feeling <sighs> devastated but also weirdly relieved like it's really strange I think because of the whole you know until you have three miscarriages no one no one will help you basically so by the time I had my third one it was like this weird sense of relief of like oh thank god someone's going to help me now someone's going to take me seriously we're going to get the help that we need um which is kind of seemed kind of dark actually that that's the way that um that I felt about it but but yeah it's true that's that's how it felt um we were able to get a referral to a uh, consultant uh which we waited a couple of months for um but it was like you know i just i really had this um quite 
<clears throat> a different kind of energy of like, you know, great, we're going to be given all the tests. They're going to find out what's wrong. Everything's going to be, you know, hunky dory. And obviously that wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't the case at all. Um, when we went for the consultation, um, it was probably one of the most traumatic <laughs> uh traumatic um medical appointments i've had i've had quite a few but that was that was certainly up there um with a consultant who's um a gynecologist you know she's not a specialist in miscarriage or recurrent miscarriage she doesn't have any expertise in that area she was so cold so insensitive um you know i just remember kind of being sat in that room and just trembling with so many emotions like anger and fear and just just sobbing my heart out just you know begging her for help please I can't do this anymore please can you help me and you know her just kind of being like well you know just keep trying just keep trying that was the 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 rhetoric that we were told so yeah, by that point, I was feeling incredibly defeated and again, just so, so isolated and uh, lonely and, you know, I didn't know anybody else who was going through this. Um, I think they, they weren't any, um, they weren't even any like support groups or anything that I was recommended. There was just nothing around where I lived, I was told to kind of look online at some online support groups. Um, and I was also, you know, given a leaflet for like some counseling, you know, just not good enough, just really, really not good enough and not really having the energy to, uh, use my voice, you know, to fight, to, um, to say this isn't good enough I want more you know I want I, I need more help just feeling completely um, devastated and helpless so yeah that was a, a pretty dark time um, but we kind of had some more conversations about it and I think there was a period where I was considering that, that that's enough. I can't, I can't actually do this anymore. Um, so there were some conversations Lou and I had about that. But over time, that kind of reduced a little bit. And I started again, it's like that hope. It just creeps in from somewhere. I don't know where you know, even from like the darkest times that over time that hope just kind of creeps back in. And like sometimes I question, is that even a good thing? Is that even, should you listen to that? I don't know, but I guess I did. And um, yeah, we decided to keep trying. And a couple of months later, um, yeah, I was lucky enough to to be pregnant again. Um, so in July 2019, 
um, that was when I found out I was pregnant for the fourth time. And by this point, you know, I'd kind of been tracking my cycles. I, I, we were much more kind of deliberate about, about getting pregnant. Um, we also went for a, uh, we, we paid to see a consultant privately um, because I just felt like the experience I had with the NHS consultant was just horrific. And I just didn't want to put myself through that again. But we were also really conscious that we didn't have very much money um, to pay for private treatment, um, which is obviously a, a position that many people find themselves in. Um, but we managed to kind of find some, um, you know, some money to have a, an initial consultation with a private consultant. And that was just the best money we've ever spent because she was just, you know, much more of a specialist in the area, had much more expertise. I sat down with her for an hour and I learned more in that hour than I had in the last two years of this whole thing it was it was pretty eye-opening um so because we didn't we weren't in a position financially to be able to pay for kind of consistent fertility treatment um she kind of suggested it was a bit of a lottery in terms of what to try but she suggested that we if we were to get pregnant again that um there's a medication that we could take for our next pregnancy so um we kind of we paid for that medication in the hope that maybe it might make a difference we kind of had nothing to lose i guess by that point um, and i'd read a lot of stuff about progesterone and how that can be really helpful for um people who experience recurrent miscarriage i hadn't managed to get anywhere um with the nhs on that one they don't seem to want to give women progesterone even though there's like an insane amount of evidence to show that it's like really helpful uh for women with recurrent miscarriage but anyway so we got this medication and i found out i was pregnant in the july and i started taking this medication and it, it felt like okay great like this is this is a, a tangible thing that we could do to try and have a healthy pregnancy. Um, so I think I was taking uh, progesterone, uh, steroids, and I was also injecting myself every day with a blood thinner. And it felt like, it felt hopeful. It felt like, you know, this, is, this was the first time really that we'd had some kind of intervention with the pregnancy. So it almost, it sort of almost didn't matter what it was. It was like something is, we're doing something differently. Like maybe that will help. It gave us that little bit more hope. And again, we told a few more people. Um, we kind of waited till, I think we had to wait until about seven weeks for the scan. And the days between seeing that pregnancy test and going for the scan were just oh they were just so grueling it's like 
you just take every day feels like a, a thousand years long it's like you go every time you go to the toilet is like a bit of a milestone it's like okay i'm going to go to the toilet is there going to be blood there's no blood great okay you've made it through one trip to the toilet now can you make it to the next one like it's that my days were that broken down um just to try and not go completely mad in the weight and i just remember just feeling so in tune with my body um <coughs> so like you know the tiniest twinge that i felt in in my uh, in my belly it was like you know what is that is that normal am i miscarrying what does that mean and but again you know just going about living my life going to work seeing my friends like it's just you just get on with things but in the back of your mind is this constant fear and anxiety about what's going on in there is this going to happen again you know that that initial that joy that I experienced on my first pregnancy was just gone like I'm never going to get that back and it it fills me with deep sadness that I will never get to experience a completely joyful pregnancy ever again you know that's just gone um because now there's just so much anxiety and you know I understand of course I'm sure that many 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 women feel anxiety there's no anxiety free pregnancy in the world I'm sure but it's like a whole new level of anxiety I think when you've experienced pregnancy loss which I had no idea about before I went through it myself uh, so we we made it to the the scan and I kind of prepared myself for okay either this is going to be fine or I'm going to be miscarrying like that was the kind of the choices the options that I'd prepared myself for mentally I hadn't prepared myself for it to be an ectopic pregnancy and that just completely knocked me um I just was not prepared for that at all um and it was just probably the most horrific experience of my life actually um just it's quite hard actually to put into words because it was uh, yeah just really traumatic um and the scan that i had was particularly awful um so i lou and i went in for our scan um i was told you know there was like a there was like three people in the room i think with us and i was told that um the person who was going to do my scan was a trainee but they were like a you know a senior trainee and they've done this loads of times is that okay and i was like well you know yeah whatever um i'm sure that they wouldn't be doing the job if they weren't any good at it 
I kind of didn't really think much of it. Um, and so they did an external scan of my belly. And I kind of, I don't really remember what was said exactly, but I remember hearing the words healthy. I remember him saying, oh, something, something, something healthy. And I kind of, my ears kind of pricked up and it was like, hmm, did I, did I just hear that right? And then he turned the screen around to face me and there was like this blurry little bean on the screen that had a heartbeat and it was, yeah, it was, it was beating away. And I just, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I, I feel emotional now, even just talking about it. Like the, the, the sense of joy and relief was just like nothing I've ever experienced before. And like, I was kind of, I just cried and, you know, Lou and I just looked at each other and we were just saying, I just can't believe it. I can't believe it. You know, we're going to be okay. This is going to be okay. Um, and then uh, I don't really remember the sequence of events, but they basically said, um, so because I'd been drinking loads of water to fill up my bladder, they were like, oh, you know, go to the toilet, empty your bladder, come back and we'll do an internal scan. And now I don't know, you know, I didn't know that if that was like meant that something was wrong or, you know, nobody said anything. It was just like, okay, we'll just, you know, go to the toilet and come back and we'll do an internal scan. So I did that. And just the whole time I was just thinking, oh, I can't believe it, I can't believe it, I can't believe it. And then I came back and they did a, um, an internal scan and it was a different person this time. So it was, uh, it was a woman and I think she was not a trainee. Um, so the trainee guy had gone. And so immediately I felt a little bit like, oh, okay, this, uh, okay, it's a bit strange, but no one was saying anything. Um, and so she was kind of looking around for a while and then, you know, before she even said anything, I could just tell by the look on her face, she just said, uh, it's worse than we thought. And again, I don't really remember exactly what was said after, but something about babies growing in the wrong place. Um, and immediately I knew, I, I knew it was ectopic. Um, because I kind of read about it and I'd heard people talk about it before. And it was the strangest thing. Like, I think I actually, it felt like I left my body. Like I left my body and I was kind of like floating above myself, looking down on me. Um, yeah, I was just the, the weirdest thing. Like, I don't even know how to explain it. It was like a weird out of body experience that I guess was like, I don't know, like a dissociation or something, you know, when you just like can't quite hear the information because it's too painful. Uh, so yeah, it was, the, the pregnancy was ectopic and it was all a bit of a blur after that. Um, I had to go in for surgery and uh, it was really scary, really scary. I remember waiting, I was kind of on the bed being wheeled down to the room and Louis and my, my mum were with me, kind of stood next to my bed. They went as far as they could go with me. 
And I remember saying to them, like, what if I die? What if, what if, what if this is it? What if, what if I die? And yeah, they were like, you're going to be fine. Like, this is, this is an operation that they've done tons of times before. You're going to be fine. You're in good hands. But there was a real sense of, uh, you know, this, this, this could be it. And that was just a really, just a horrible, horrible feeling. And I had the operation and obviously I didn't die, so I'm here. Um, and they removed my right fallopian tube uh, because the baby was lodged in there. Um, and thankfully that was, that was all they needed to remove. Um, because I think there was some talk about also removing my ovary, but they didn't need to do that. And I think I took two weeks off work and that was kind of it. I went back to work and just felt very depressed, actually really depressed and completely um, again just isolated and helpless and um, that was about almost a year ago now that I had my last pregnancy and um, yeah I haven't I haven't been pregnant since and it's been a really really hard really hard time I think um I've allowed myself to grieve more in the last year than I have done for you know any of those other pregnancies and weirdly like this whole lockdown thing has given me the time it's sort of forced me to stop and stay at home and not do loads of work and not kind of I haven't had those usual distractions in place that I would have in my life and I think that's been really good for me actually because I wouldn't have done it otherwise I wouldn't have taken two months off work I just wouldn't have and I felt a lot of feelings over the past two months it's like some really some stuff has come up from the depths of me that I I haven't allowed myself to feel before and it's been really painful and really dark and really sad at times but it's needed to come out I think uh it's just needed to but it wasn't really until like I think after my third pregnancy, when I, I, I'd started seeing a different, uh, different therapist just because I'd moved, moved house. But, you know, I thought I was going mad. I, I just thought, what, what is going on? I don't know what's wrong with me. Like, why am I, why am I feeling this way? And he was the first person who said to me, you're grieving. This is grief. And it was like, oh, it was like he gave me permission to feel the way that I was feeling. Like no one had said that to me before. 
and mm -hmm. you know it's just the grief is real man it's it, it is. is real and it is painful and it comes in waves and you know i sometimes feel that i could go weeks with feeling fine and then i, I some you know a day will come and i just feel like i can't get out of bed it's just it seriously knocks me off my feet when that when that grief wave comes it's intense it is now if you don't mind me asking um like what are your guys's plans moving forward so moving forward we and there was a period again of me just you know thinking i don't know if we can do this anymore i don't know um i think this might be it but again that little niggle of hope it just keeps keeps mm -hmm. on rearing its little head and um we're we're quite fortunate in that we're in a position financially at the moment to be able to start looking into um fertility treatment so something like IVF uh, so that's kind of the direction that we're heading in at the moment. Um, I haven't really looked into it massively yet. I, I know that it is potentially an option for us. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and I've also been feeling, I guess, a little bit concerned just because we did kind of start actively trying again. Um, not quite a year ago because we definitely took some time out after the after my ectopic but long enough for me to start wondering whether something might be wrong um in terms of conceiving um so yeah that would that's kind of the direction that we're looking in um i've been doing a lot of my own research into what i can access um in terms of um treatment on the nhs and um i live so i i live in wales and um all of the guidelines in the uk around care for recurrent miscarriage they all agree that women who experience it should be offered a referral to a specialist recurrent pregnancy loss clinic um but in wales there aren't any there were there are no specialist recurrent clinics in Wales for pregnancy loss so I've been trying to kind of build a case for myself to access that over the border in England um, because you can only access it if you live in England and I don't live in England um, so that's kind of something I've been squirreling away on in the background but it's it's really difficult it's really complicated lengthy procedure you know you need to get like the support of your consultant you need to gather all this information and oh it's just exhausting and like mm -hmm. some days uh, some days i have the energy to do it and some days you know i wrote to like the health secretary of wales i write emails i ring people and i kind of you know that anger is like an energy for me to kind of fuel me to do things and then some days i'm just like oh I don't have the energy to do this. I feel so helpless. No one's going to help me. You know, so I really kind of flip-flop between those two those two places. Um Yeah, so I guess we're kind of left thinking about uh fertility treatment and what 
what will work for us, really. Now, I always ask at the end of every episode, if you have one piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation, what would it be? Um, I thought about this a lot and it's quite hard to just, just to think of one thing, actually. <laughs> um, I guess something for me that I kind of wish that I'd known is that there is no right way to feel after you lose a baby um you know whether it's once or twice or 15 times there is no right way to grieve and everything that you're feeling is valid every single thing that you're feeling is valid and i just feel like if you can find your people to kind of share that with that for me was definitely very helpful. And I was only able to find that online. I couldn't, I couldn't find it in my kind of everyday life because nobody around me was experiencing the same thing. I couldn't even find any local support groups or anything like that. And I even considered starting my own because I just felt like, you know, I can't be the only person in this, in this place who is experiencing this. I know for a fact that there are other people out there, but I, I don't know how to get to them. Um, so finding setting up my kind of uh, Instagram account and finding this community of people who are experiencing pregnancy loss and infertility has been really really important for me and helped me to feel less alone and less isolated. So yeah, I guess I would just encourage you to kind of reach out any way that you feel able to and 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 find those people who can who can go, yeah, I, I get it. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to link your Instagram in the description of this episode so that people can reach out to you as well. Um, okay, cool. If they'd like to. So thank you so much for jumping on and sharing your story and making the time difference work <laughs> oh, <laughs> between the two so of us. Thank you so much for having me. It's, um, yeah. it's, it's been really, uh, therapeutic actually I realized that I've kind of said everything the whole start story. to finish yeah, yeah it's different it's different than just doing the pieces that you normally share as they're yeah. happening type of a thing definitely yeah. well thank, thank you, you very so much. much keep us posted and I will um, do. you guys go follow along she's awesome so thank you so much and yeah I we all appreciate you I couldn't do this without you guys so thanks Shelly we'll talk soon okay Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together.